Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. But also sitting next to you is Andrew Simpson, the master of this particular house of wolves. These wolves have appeared in Revenant. One special wolf here has uh, been a star in Game of Thrones. Producers come over, the visual effects directors come over. They're very nice. I mean, I'm not just saying that. They are some of the nicest crew I've ever worked with. Um, they're really considerate. They understand animals. They love animals. So that they understand what it takes to get the best performance out of the animal. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? Well, you got to be nice to people. Every time you work on a film project, it's like a family. I mean, there's people come from all different disciplines and you all get thrown together. You have to get along with people. You can't be a, a lone wolf, so to speak. You have to be able to, to mix in with everybody and, and help out and share ideas and share creativity. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me is your co-host, Fred Keating. We are in Alberta, Canada today, Fred. We are in a very special location. Tell our listeners where we are. I can't. You can't. It's a secret location. We're in the Calgary area. That's all I'm going to say. We're sitting on a slope uh, gazing due west over several packs of wolves. That's all I'm going to say. Wolves. And these are not just any wolves. No, these are movie star wolves. These wolves have appeared in Revenant. One special wolf here has uh, been a star in Game of Thrones. No, no, let me say it. Ghost. Ghost is sitting right beside us, right over there. Jon Snow's wolf, for goodness sakes. That's right. That's why I'm not telling you exactly where we are. But also sitting next to you is Andrew Simpson, the uh, the master of this particular house of wolves. Andrew is the guy responsible for training the animals in a variety of, of film and television projects, as well as uh, some documentary productions. So, Andrew, thank you for having us on the place at all. You guys are very welcome, and thank you for saying, or for not saying where you are. Much appreciated. I ran across some dialogue the other day online, Andrew, between you and some individuals who were, were getting in touch with you. And it seemed to be, again, they were fascinated with the fact that you work with these animals. And in your responses to them, there was a gentle reminder that if one is excited about having a wolf as a a pet or a hybrid dog-wolf, uh, one needs to be incredibly careful. Why? Yeah, it's it's a good point to make. They're definitely not good pets. I mean, we have we have them here, but we're we train them for the film industry. We're very specific what we do. We give them all the time, the attention, and everything they need from when we get them to the to the day they leave us. But they they do not make um, good house pets. Not at all. It's very hard to get the instinct out of them. A lot of people a lot of people want the animal that looks like a wolf but acts like a golden retriever. That's what they want in their house. They want some of it's for show, some of it's just for their own uh, personal personal pet, but they certainly do not make uh, good house pets at You're all. You're saying you might end up with more wolf than you'd bargain for. Yeah, there's there's definitely no way there's definitely no way to to get that percentage worked out and it's I can't stress enough how it's not a good idea because a lot of people will get them and then they hit like the 2 year mark, the 3 year mark and all the instinct starts to kick in. And then usually they end up in the shelters or the pounds, and 
unfortunately in those situations most people won't adopt them back out again they go straight to uh, euthanasia now wait a minute were you setting me up because a moment ago you said oh yeah go ahead reach in there they'll lick you and they did and it was really great it's lots of fun i made some friends no you you definitely weren't being set up the ones i introduced you to are uh very friendly, very professional actors, and uh, you, you are in no danger at all. That's a relief. Had I known that, I would have put my hand in as well. <laughs> but tell me, what's it like to be the, uh, the, the father, the boss, the master of, I won't say how many, but a number of packs of wolves right on your property and in, literally in your backyard? It's a lot of work. It really is a lot of work. A lot of people want to get into the, the film industry, and they think it's you know very glamorous, and you hang out with movie stars, and, and you travel the world, and you, and you do do a lot of that. But behind the scenes stuff, you know, the movie industry is a feast for famine. You might work several months straight and then you might not work for three or four months. You know, so it's there's a lot of hard work, especially with animals. It's not like other pieces of equipment when you're not working, you can put them in the warehouse, put them in a the truck and you don't have any overhead. But with animals, as you can see, there's a lot, lot of fencing, a lot of facility and you're responsible for them, you know, 24-7. So it's, there's a lot of work. It's not, uh, not something I... I thought of greatly before I expanded this much. But before we get into how you got started in the business, Andrew, I, I wanted to say that, again, between engagements, between the big tentpole productions, you've managed to monetize your creativity and make best use of, of your passion for working with animals by uh, creating some of your own productions. Yeah, I, I took a different uh, approach to a lot of people that work in the film industry, and we had a, a project a few years ago in Russia and I decided to take a film crew with me and film our experience in Russia and I did that for a couple of reasons one was because I wanted to show people a different side of wolves I wanted to show people you know the true nature of wolves or as, or as true as you can show in that in that situation to show people how we actually work with animals in the film industry because especially lately there's been a lot of really bad press um, about animals in the film industry so for doing documentaries like that it was an open book, you know, the film crew were free to film whatever they wanted to. In a way, I was hoping that that documentary would, would show people, okay, every everything is not the same. You know, there's bad people in every industry. So by showing that, you can see how we train animals, what we do, the stuff that goes right, the stuff that goes wrong, but it's all there like an open book, and, and that was a reason for, for doing that project. And I want to return to uh, the whole thought of your documentary work in a moment, but before we do, we have established that we are here in Alberta, Fred, but the Game of Thrones work that you've done, was was that shot here in Alberta? Yes, uh, we, we worked on season five and season six, and they we tried to go to Ireland, and we tried to logistically make it work, but their schedule and our schedule were just it was very hard to, to make everything work. Um, so in the end, we, we came here, and they, or they came here, and we shot at the Calgary Film Studio. And how did that go? Tell us, uh, tell us how that production was actually achieved at the Calgary Film Studio. Well, they come with a, with a very small crew. Everything with the wolves is shot after the production is over, so they know exactly where they want the wolves. Because with the dire wolves, they're supposed to be 70% um, bigger than, than a normal wolf. So we shoot everything on, on green screen. And then we digitally enhance it so that it makes the wolf 70% bigger. It's a very calm shoot. It's a small crew. The producers come over. The visual effects directors come over. They're very nice. I mean, I'm not just saying that. They are some of the nicest crew I've ever worked with. And they're really considerate. They understand animals. They love animals. So they understand what it takes to get the best performance out of the animal. And then everything is very, very technical. Because the main action is filmed before, you're trying to fit in exactly where the wolf has to stand, where his eye line has to be. So it's a very technical repeat, repeat until you get it exactly, exactly right. 
it must be nice, no pun intended, to be running with the big dogs because I know the studio that you fellas are talking about. It's the Calgary Film Center. It didn't even open until May, and, and you were in there in January. They opened the doors early for, for you and the GOT team. Yeah, wouldn't I wouldn't say so much open the doors for me. I'm just a little fish. But definitely they opened it for, for Game of Thrones, and I don't I don't know any studio around the world that wouldn't open their doors for, for Game of Thrones. Tell us about some of the uh, really triumphant and perhaps less than triumphant moments you've had on sets. Tell us where you started. When this this bug first bit you? I grew up in Scotland, up in the Highlands in the middle of nowhere. Nearest town to us only had, uh, I think, less than 200 people in it. So very small place. So you spend a lot of time outdoors in the nature with, you know, frogs, mice, bugs, anything like that. I always had a passion for the movies. I like watching movies. I always wanted to, you know, work in the movies somehow. I didn't know how. And my first thought was to work in the stunt department. And when I was 12 years old, our career teacher would come around and ask you what you wanted to do. And I said I wanted to be a stunt person. And she went away and came back the next week with a whole list of information about being a stunt person, which was very... Very involved and very expensive. You had to ride motorcycles, parachute jump, scuba diving, you know, anything you could think of. And where I grew up, it wasn't, I mean, my family, my parents did not have money by any means. So it was kind of out of the reach of possibility to go down that route. So I just left home, started, you know, working like everyone else. And then one day I saw a movie called Mad Max, or The Road Warrior it was called, about the Australian outback, post-apocalyptic. And I thought that looks like a nice place. And I... um, packed my bags and I went to Australia when I was 20 and then I traveled around fell into a few movie sets and then met a company there worked with a lady who trained dingoes for the movies and I worked in a couple of shows with her and that's kind of how that all started. So dingoes are an Australian dog or would you compare them to wolves? And they have a lot of the same traits as wolves they have certainly a pack order they're um they're cautious and suspicious like a wolf is too so quite similar you know different country different wild canine but but, but very similar. I started off working there, and then I ended up in, in Canada, in Vancouver. And I stayed there for 12 years before moving across the Rockies to uh, Alberta. Do you train crows as well? Because I can hear one in the background asking you something. That's that's Frank. I mean, Frank uh, Frank was a rescue someone gave us when he was very, very small. And he lives in his, his cage over there. He's in the house occasionally, but he makes a lot of mess in the house. He's taught himself to have a conversation. He'll say, hi, Frank, what's that? How are you? What's up? Right now he's he's calling to the the wild crows, but you'll probably hear him talk to himself later. Does he get the wolves worked up too? No, the wolves don't pay any attention to him, funnily enough. That's great. Now do do your wolves actually have individual personalities? Yeah, they all they all have individual personalities. I mean there's a few lying around here and you, and you got to meet some of them. Some of them are super friendly, some of them are super goofy, some of them are very serious and just like to do their job. But the, yeah, they they definitely all of individual unique personalities. Great. Now, let's actually return to the conversation that we had a few moments ago about your documentary project. The new documentary project we're working on right now is uh, we have a Kickstarter campaign going for it. And it's, we were recently in China and we made a wolf movie in China where we lived there for three years, which is a long time to live in a, in a foreign country like China. It was a wolf film for the director, Jean Jacquinot. It was called Wolf Totem. So while we did it, it was a unique experience. So we thought, why not? take the same film crew with us and we will film what we do in China because it'll be very, very different than Siberia. So we filmed that over the course of three years. We ended up with over a thousand hours of footage, which we've been going through. The process, when I did the first documentary, I funded it entirely myself, which is an expensive endeavor. So when we did this one, a lot of people said to me, you guys should do the, the Kickstarter campaign. And I'd never actually heard of the Kickstarter campaign. So we went down the road, we did the Kickstarter campaign. It actually runs out next weekend. It's been a learning curve. There's a lot of good things and bad things about running a Kickstarter campaign. 
good thing is obviously you you get donations and pledges from people who who want to see your project complete and i think the, the negative side is you see actually who doesn't contribute to your campaign because you see everyone's individual name so it's uh, tough sometimes to ask for money you know to ask for for help to, to make a project like this but regardless we're, we're going down the road we have one more week to go and then uh, on monday we have as was you mentioned earlier we have the screening in calgary which is at the plaza theater in kensington seven o'clock ten dollars come on down and uh, we're going to show the the siberian documentary then show the trailer for the new documentary and then we'll have a question and answer where anyone can ask me anything they want from wolves to game of thrones to what i had for dinner basically now what's the name of the new documentary and and what's the premise what's the storyline the new one is called, because we have another couple of wolf projects coming up, we decided to go with the same theme of the, the Wolves Unleashed, make it like the series. So this one is Wolves Unleashed China, and it's called Against All Odds. Nothing could prepare us for what we went through in China. We thought Siberia was a very hard place to make a movie, and it was because of the cold and the extreme temperatures. When we went to China, the language barrier, for one, was, was a major hurdle. And then the population, you know, it's, it's such a densely populated place, I wasn't ready for that. And then the wolves, I mean, normally when we work in the film industry with wolves, whether it's, you know, for any of these big shows that you mentioned before, we always get our wolves very young. Usually from nine days of old, we're interacting with them. Nine days old, we interact with them. So they accept human bond, human touch, human relationship. And then we build on that right through right through their career. And, that, and that's what gets us the impossible shots. But when we went to China, because of everything we went through from permits to, to visas, to location, to getting our facility built, we didn't actually get the wolves until they were 10 weeks old, in which time they already have started to develop their own train of thought, their own personality, their own attitude, their own instinct starts to come out. It was very hard for us to actually make a movie with an animal that you couldn't touch, like physically touch, because it was against everything that, that we thought we knew how to do. And for the first little while, I mean, even for the first four months we were there, I wanted to quit and go home because it was just impossible. But then we just, you know, hunkered down and we, we thought outside the box, we thought different ways, we thought rethought i should say how to how to work with them how to train them we endeavored we went through and i mean i'm just giving you the broad strokes of the the hardship we went through but it was a unique story and i'm glad we filmed it and i hope you know all the funding works and we can show the world what we did is this the gang you brought back home with you yeah some of the gang is there you can see some of the some of the gang behind us they're all lying sleeping in the sun but yeah they're uh they have the rags to riches story for sure. That must have been a logistical nightmare, getting them trans-Pacific and, and permitted into the uh, the country. It was. It was a very difficult. It took um, it took 12 months of, of uh, paperwork and red tape to, to get it done. And then even up to the last day we left China, the, the customs people and the federal agencies we dealt with said in 30, 40 years they'd never seen anything like it. Nothing had ever left China except uh, pandas and they go back. So it was a, it was quite an achievement for us. And it was a quite a landmark uh, thing for China to do as well. Sounds like a heck of a documentary. It sure does. Now, Andrew, you've been involved in the film and television business for a long, long time. I know our listeners are wondering, some of the things that you've learned, what do you think are some of the truisms, some of the, the keys to success in this business, regardless of what one's discipline is? Keys to success. Hmm. I'm glad you put a long, 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 long time in there. That was nice of you. Makes me feel old. <laughs> I think I should apologize now. If you're feeling old, just look over here in this direction. <laughs> well, you got to be nice to people. That's for sure. I mean, every time you work on a film project, it's like a family. I mean, there's people come from all different disciplines and you all get thrown together, sometimes for a couple of weeks, sometimes, you know, for a couple of months or a couple of years in my case. So it's very, you have to get along with people. You can't be a, a lone wolf, so to speak. You have to be able to to mix in with everybody and and help out and share ideas and share creativity 
ask lots of questions. It doesn't matter where you go in this industry or what department you're in. I mean, you have to ask questions. I mean, I could give you an example. You talked before about what's one of your highs and one of your lows. I can, I can remember one of the first jobs I ever did when I first started out. I had to go to a, a movie set, and it was kind of the end of the world movie again. And they said, no, just bring a bring your dog along. All he has to do is uh, stand on top of a dead body. And I thought, okay, I took your word for it, and I, I turned up with my dog. And it was maybe my second movie I'd ever done. And sure enough, the dead body's there, and I bring my dog up, and I put him on the top of the body, and he's all fine. And then they turn on four wind machines. And these weren't little wind machines like you have in your house. These were wind machines that were run off a Volkswagen engine. And then they start throwing garbage and garbage cans flying by and papers. And then the rain machines turn on. And that's when you learn, okay, I should have definitely asked more questions. So that's my biggest thing is you got to ask questions about what your job is. Do you train other animals other than wolves, dogs and such? Yes, we do. We we do uh, really anything, you know, from, from mice to, to bears to wolves and birds. We do anything. Most of the time, I'd say... 80% of my work is, is with wolves because that's what we specialize in. That's what we're known for. But we do other projects. We did one a few years ago with pelicans, which were perhaps one of the best jobs I ever had on uh, five months in the Greek islands with pelicans. And that was just the most amazing experience ever. The Greek islands, Siberia, China. You've been all around the world. So I guess one of the other things that you would want to say as a piece of advice for our listeners is that you might need to be willing to travel. Yes, you have you have to travel in this industry. There, there's a lot, a lot of trainers I know that live in the U.S. and Europe that don't travel much for their work. They're, they're pretty much home-based or country-based. But I chose to do a little different with especially specializing in wolves. There's not a lot of people. There's a few companies have them, but there's not a lot of people really specialize in them. And I market ourselves uh, heavily overseas in Europe and in Asia. And we've had a lot of good projects there. So Traveling for me is, is part of our job, and a lot of the people that work with me travel. I would say you have to like it. You have to be open to the experience, because we go to a lot, of, uh, a lot of places that maybe aren't the friendliest. Well, Fred, we're just about up on time. Is there anything else that needs to be said before we say goodbye to our special guest? Well, perhaps not in this episode, Marvin, but I would certainly love, uh, with, uh, with Andrew's permission, to return and ask some more specific questions about his particular team and whether and the and the care of the animals given the attention given to those issues these days and so with with all due respect uh, may we uh, come back again sometime and and grab a cup of coffee Andrew when you happen to be in the in the country absolutely yeah you guys are a blast you're fun you're friendly come on back whenever you want you know friendly those wolves are friendly. I want to come back, and I want to have my cheek licked by a wolf again. Marvin has been on his best behavior today, I think, because of the wolves. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to bring him back, as you seem to have broken him in really nicely, Andrew. Thanks very much. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity. <laughs>